From the Old City, a practical Torah commentary by Gutman Lodge. Genesis 18.1, the Yera. Just how great was our father Abraham? Hashem appeared to our forefathers, Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, six times, and later to the children of Israel another six times. When God reveals himself, he does so in the way that is appropriate for that particular moment. At times it could be a revelation of him appearing as Hashem, and at times it might appear as Elohim, or by any of the other holy names. Each name represents a different type or degree of revelation. Also, the revelation might come to the individual, or it may come upon him. Appearing to the prophet is a more direct communication than appearing unto him. God might make his presence known in any number of ways, in a cloud, as glory, or even as a small voice. It all depends on what he intends to accomplish. Of the six times that he appeared to our fathers, three were to Abraham. The first time Hashem appeared, it was to Abraham. At this time, Hashem promised Abraham that he would give the land of Israel to his offspring. The second time Hashem appeared to Abraham, he promised Abraham that he would increase him most exceedingly. The third time Hashem appeared to Abraham, it was unto Abraham. And this came on the third day after Abraham circumcised himself. Hashem appeared to Yitzchak twice. Both of these times, the Torah states that Hashem appeared unto Yitzchak and not to him. The first time, Hashem told him not to descend to Egypt and that he would bless him and establish the oath that he swore to Abraham. The second time, he told him that he was going to bless him and increase his offspring because of Abraham. Hashem appeared to Yaakov once, and the Torah tells us that this revelation was Elohim appearing to Yaakov. The text there says that Hashem appeared to Yaakov again, but the first time he revealed himself to Yaakov, it was in a dream. This was the famous dream of Yaakov's ladder, which came when he was running away from his brother Esau. This time, Hashem appeared to Yaakov when he was returning from his father-in-law, Lavan. Hashem appeared as Elohim to Yaakov and blessed him. The revelation of the name Hashem is a much greater revelation than that of the revelation of the name Elohim. Later, regarding the children of Israel, the Torah states that an angel of Hashem appeared unto Moshe in the burning bush. After Moshe and Aaron blessed the people, the glory of Hashem appeared to the people. Later, when Korach challenged Moshe and Aaron, the glory of Hashem appeared to the entire assembly. Soon after Korach's rebellion, when the assembly gathered against Moshe and Aaron, they turned to the tent of meeting and the glory of Hashem appeared. Sometime later, the entire assembly gathered against Moshe and Aaron. Moshe and Aaron went to the entrance of the tent of meeting and the glory of Hashem appeared to them. Much later, when Moshe was about to die, he was told to summon Yeshua and stand in the tent of meeting so that Hashem could instruct Yeshua. And Hashem appeared in the tent in a pillar of a cloud.
So we see that whenever Hashem appeared to the children of Israel, it was either in a cloud, as his glory, or as an angel. With Yaakov, it was Hashem appearing as Elohim. And the two times Hashem appeared to Yitzchak, it was unto him and not to him. Not only did Hashem appear to Abram more times than to Yitzchak or to Yaakov, but two of the three times that he appeared to Abraham, it was directly to him. Also, both times that he appeared to Yitzchak, he said that he was appearing to him only because of his promise to Abraham. No one in the entire Torah experienced the revelations that our father Abraham experienced, not even Moshe, our teacher. What was so special about Abraham that he merited such wonderful revelations? This week's portion lists some of the tremendous challenges that Abraham faced. Any one of them would be enough to fill a lifetime of struggle. The Torah lists at least ten of them. Yet given all of these great tests, all of which Avram passed, still he is not known for passing tests. Rather, he is known for his kindness and his efforts in bringing others to the true knowledge of God. Most certainly, you and I could not withstand such tests, but we can be kind and can bring someone closer to understanding God and his ways. What do you want? In this week's Torah portion, we also learn one of the most important and practical lessons in life, how to get what we want. Everyone wants something. Sometimes we lack important, essential things throughout our entire lifetime. It might be better health, or an easier livelihood, to get married, or to have children. It could be anything. And even though we work hard to try to get these things, often they do not come. We pray for them time and time again. Sometimes we make tremendous efforts to get these things, but still they do not come. How can we get what we want? Avram and Sarah were the two most righteous people in the entire world. Yet there was something they wanted desperately and could not get. Sarah was barren. She could not have children. She wanted a child more than anything else in the world. Yet Hashem said no. Do you think that Abram prayed for Sarah? You bet he did. He prayed many times a day. Yet Hashem said no. Time and time again, Abram prayed for his wife Sarah. Everyone around them was having children. Even their slaves had children. But Sarah was barren. They prayed every day, year after year, but each time Hashem said no. Not only was Sarah's great desire for having a child driving their prayers, but Hashem also had promised Avraham that he and Sarah would have offspring who would inherit his blessings. He was told that their offspring would inherit the land of Israel, and yet they had no offspring to receive this blessing. All of his spiritual revelations throughout his lifetime were hanging on this one need. Still, Hashem said, no. As time went on, Abram and Sarah became old, and by the way of nature could no longer have children. Seemingly, their great desire and Hashem's promise were not to be fulfilled. Then one day, Hashem said, yes, and miraculously, Abram and Sarah had a son, whom they named Yitzchak. What was different about that day that Hashem chose to say yes? If you read the very line in the Torah that proceeds, and Hashem remembered Sarah, 
you will see. And Abram prayed that Abimelech's household should be able to conceive. When Abimelech kidnapped Sarah, Hashem closed up all the wombs of the women in his household so no one would molest Sarah. When Avimelech freed Sarah unmolested, Hashem told Abram to pray for Avimelech's household so they should again be able to conceive. Now, why would Hashem have Abram pray for Avimelech's household? Hashem closed up those wombs. Let him open them up. But no, Hashem wanted Abram to pray for Avimelech, who was the very man who had taken his wife, in order to bring down into this lower physical world the spiritual mechanism that was required for the miracle to occur. Certainly Hashem could have performed this miracle without Avram's help, so why did he tell him to pray like this? He did so to teach us an invaluable lesson. Our sages tell us when we need something desperately and see that there are others who also need that very thing, if we will pray for them, our prayers for ourselves will be answered first. No matter what we need, when we look around, we will see that there are others who need that very thing, and perhaps even more desperately than we do. When our hearts open up to them, we will quickly see Hashem's heart open to us. God provides. This week we also see a proof of the old adage, God provides the cure before he sends the disease. We read that Abram was told to take his beloved son Yitzchak and offer him up as a fire offering. Abram took the knife in his hand and was about to slaughter his beloved son when a voice from heaven called out and told him not to harm his son. Abram looked up and saw a ram caught in the bushes by its horns. He took the ram and offered it up instead of his son. The Torah's lessons are for us. How is it that God provides the cure for us before he provides the disease? Many times the answer to our prayers comes in a manner that we are not expecting. So often we turn away from the very answer to our prayers. We have to train ourselves to look at what comes and try to understand why God is sending it. A few hours before the holiday of Shavuos, I walked by the Chabad house here in the old city and saw an interesting-looking family. I thought they were from Australia, with their long, blonde hair and floppy hats, but no, the man said they were from Maine. They were traveling around the world on their small, old, metal sailboat and had been away from home for two years. I spoke mostly with the teenage boys, trying to give them a quick dose of spirituality. I explained that every port they visited had some specialty, and that they would be wise to learn whatever good thing each place had to offer. For instance, some places are great at weaving baskets, others at making flutes, and so on. While here in Yushalayim, we specialize in God. By then, I had to leave to finish setting up for my holiday guest. On the way out, I called back to the Chabad house and told the rabbi that he should teach them the seven mitzvahs of Noah, the seven commandments of Noah. The rabbi came over to me and quietly told me that the woman was Jewish. Wow, that changed the whole situation. Those kids whom I thought were Gentiles were actually Jews. I went back in and told them that they were coming to my house for dinner. Shavuos is just about the only night of the year when I am not in a hurry. 
The custom is to stay up all night and learn, so there is no pressing reason to move things along quickly. They showed up for dinner, and we started what was going to be a long, enjoyable meal. But about 15 minutes into what was supposed to be a great time, my antique stove went nuts and started to buzz loudly. I had played with it during the day, trying to get it to work more quietly, and apparently I had inadvertently set the timer for the buzzer to go off just when we didn't need it. I tried to ignore the loud interruptions since there wasn't anything I can do about it. On holidays, we cannot unplug appliances to turn them off. The guest asked what that loud noise was. I said that the stove was going nuts. Can't you do anything about it, they asked. One of them said at least cover it with a pillow or something to muffle it. I covered it with a pillow and a blanket, but it didn't help at all. Yuck. Then I remembered that the captain of the sailboat wasn't Jewish. He had no holiday restrictions at all. Captain, I called out, come here, I have something for you. He happily came over, and I told him that if that black plug were to be pulled out of the wall, that horrible noise would stop. He was a smart guy and quickly took the hint and unplugged the stove. Thank God. That was probably the only time in all these years of living here in the old city that I had a non-Jewish man in the house for Shavuot's dinner. Look how nicely Hashem arranges things. He saw to it that we had someone here who could unplug the stove and let us have a peaceful holiday meal. There is one.com.